William Wallace in the movie Braveheart made this statement. He said, every man dies, but not every man really lives. What does it mean to really live? Is it defined by a shiny new truck or a shiny new car? Is it defined by chasing hard after riches? Is it defined by chasing hard after pleasure or fame or success? For the next 30 minutes or so, I want to show you how you can really live. Now, this, this message is addressed to men, but I'm telling you, this text applies to everyone, whether you're a lady, whether you're a little boy or a little girl, a man, it doesn't matter. But I want you to open your Bible to Psalm chapter 1. We're in a summer series in the, the book of Psalms, and this psalm serves as an introduction to the rest of the book of Psalms. It basically presents two ways to live. You can either choose to live for God, or you can choose to live in opposition to God. You can choose to neglect God, or you can choose to follow God and obey God. This psalm declares how the righteous are blessed and how the wicked are ruined. In just six verses, just six verses, it sets forth some of life's most profound truths. So let me pray and then we'll dig into this psalm together. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for our worship this morning. I thank you, Heavenly Father, for the opportunity that we have together as a church, not only to celebrate Father's Day, but to celebrate the Lord's Day. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that you would take this wonderful psalm, Psalm chapter 1, and you would speak to our hearts and you would do uh, spiritual surgery in our lives today. Make us what you want us to be, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So Psalm chapter 1, let's look at verse 1. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. That word blessed occurs 26 times in the book of Psalms. It is plural. It doesn't mean just one blessing. It means many blessings. It refers to the blessings God provides to those men and those people who meet his standards. In Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3, the Bible says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has, hold on now, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. And in Philippians 4.19, the Bible says, And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. The byproducts of these blessings are genuine happiness. So many people in the world today, so many men in the world today are looking for genuine happiness and genuine fulfillment and satisfaction. But here's the truth. I want you to lock away in your hearts today. God's blessing 
leads to true life. If you really want to live, if you really want true life, you're going to find it when you put yourself in a spiritual position where God can bless you and put his hand of favor on your life. So we need to ask ourselves this question. Who does God bless like this? He says right here in Psalm 1-1 that he blesses the man. Well, who does he bless? Who is that man? It's obvious that his blessings are conditional, not unconditional. So I want you to see this about the man that God blesses. Number one, I want you to notice what he avoids. The man that God blesses avoids certain things in his life. The highly favored blessed man of God does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. The word wicked means to be loose and unstable. Here's the picture. A wicked man is one who is totally loose from God. He is what you might call a spiritual free agent. We read about free agents in baseball, in basketball, in football. But the wicked man is a free agent in the spiritual realm. He's not attached to God. He doesn't believe in God. He does not believe in God's word. He is a free agent, you might say. He is loose and unstable. This person has rejected God, and this person has rejected God's word. The, listen, the blessed man, the man blessed by God, does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. He does not get his cues for living and, and uh, making decisions from those who are wicked, who have chosen to reject God and his word. And the highly favored blessed man does not stand in the path of sinners. It's something he avoids. This person does not think like the world. The blessed man does not act like the world. And, and his conduct is shaped by the will of God. That's what a blessed man does. And the highly favored blessed man does not sit in the seat of scoffers. That word scoffers means to mock or to ridicule. We live in a world today that is filled with people who mock and ridicule God, who mock and ridicule the word of God. And we're surrounded by it everywhere. And yet the, the godly man, the man that God blesses did not, does not sit in the seat of scoffers. He does not associate with scoffers. The idea presented here pictures the habitual action of putting down both God and the things of God. And, and a blessed man does not do that. A blessed man does not surround himself with those kind of people. So let me ask you a question, men. Do you want to be on the receiving end of God's wonderful blessings? Do you want to experience true happiness at a level that you've only dreamed about your entire life? These things you must avoid. Don't get sucked into the undertow of this stuff. You say, well, pastor, I'm a believer. I could never get caught up in that stuff. Yes, you can. I, I promise you. There is no Christian man alive who has not been impacted by some form of this in their lives. 
There's been only one perfect man that's ever walked on this planet, and it's the Lord Jesus Christ. And what you as a Christian man must never allow yourself to do is to get sucked up into walking in the counsel of the wicked or get sucked up in standing in the path of sinners or get sucked up by sitting in the seat of scoffers. Hey, that's exactly what Lot did, didn't he? You remember? Remember Lot? Lot separated from uh, Abraham and his family and Lot and his family went down, down into the beautiful green valley surrounding Sodom and Gomorrah and they pitched their tent closer to Sodom and finally they moved into the city limits of Sodom and finally Lot found himself at the gate. He was one of those who were leaders in his city, the city of Sodom. In 2 Peter chapter 2 verses 7 to 10 the Bible says, and if he rescued righteous Lot, oppressed by the sensual conduct of unprincipled men, for by what he saw and heard, that righteous man, while living among them, felt his righteous soul tormented day after day by their lawless deeds. Then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from temptation and to keep the unrighteous under punishment for the day of judgment, especially those who indulge the flesh in its corrupt desires and despise authority. So I want you to understand, men, if you're a Christian man, you've got to avoid certain things in your life, but there are also things that you must do. Let's look at that. Number two, what he does, not only what he avoids, but what he does. Look at verse two, but his delight is in the law of the Lord and in his law, he meditates day and night. That word delight is an interesting word. It means to feel great favor towards something, to be attentive to it. I, I remember when, I, when I, I bought my pickup, my truck as Kay, Kay gets onto him for calling a pickup. He said, pop, it's a truck. It's a truck. And I tell you, I've wanted a truck for a long time. And it was shiny, it was, it's used, but it was in great shape. And man, I kept that thing spotless. I kept it waxed, all that kind of stuff. I gave great attention, I delighted in that truck. And then I, I went to a funeral and I was parked at the funeral and, and somebody pulled up right behind me and, and their engine was against my tail of my truck. And during the funeral, as God is my witness, during the funeral, that guy's car caught on fire, caught the back end of my truck on fire. And I walk out, they interrupt the funeral, said, listen, we've got a problem here. There's a truck on fire out here. And if you own such and such a, a truck, you need to go out right now. And, and two of us got out, one with Joe and one was me. And, and I was hoping it was Joe's truck and he was hoping it was my truck. <laughs> and I went out and there's my truck, a fire, a flame the back the back was just scorched and so understand this the things you delight in in the things of this world they're temporary they're not here forever I can't carry that truck with me to heaven when I go to heaven I promise you and you can't carry your fame to heaven and you can't carry your riches to heaven you can't carry your shiny new car to heaven you can't carry your house to heaven none of that stuff that we have on this planet we will ever be able to carry to heaven with us so i want to ask you a question what do you delight in as a man what do you delight in 
Well, the Bible says here that the man that God blesses delights himself in the word of God. He reads the word of God. He studies the word of God. He memorizes the word of God. The, the word of God is like, he's drawn to the word of God like ants are attracted to honey. Why, why, you say? Because the Bible is truth. We live in a world filled with lies and, and filled with uncertainties. But the Bible is truth without mixture of error. It is reliable, it is relevant, and it is supernaturally powerful. I heard about a man back when George Whitfield was preaching across the, 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 the open spaces of America hundreds of years ago. And, and George Whitfield was preaching, and a man began to mock him. And the man got his, his, all his uh, gestures down and even took one of his messages and memorized it. And, and after the service, this guy was with some of his friends, and he was mocking George Whitfield. And he began to preach George Whitfield's sermon verbatim. And during the middle of the sermon, this guy got under conviction preaching George Whitfield's sermon and mocking. He got under conviction, fell on his face before God, confessed his sin, repented of his sin, and believed in Jesus. That's the power of the word of the living God. Notice what the Bible says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He turns it over in his mind day and night. One, one scholar said it's like a, a cow chewing could. Uh, you just, just chew it for a while, swallow it, belt it back up, chew it again, and keep chewing it. And that's what you do with the Word of God. If you're a man and you want to be blessed by God, you meditate on the Word of God. You consistently read it and study it. This is not drudgery for a man of God. It is a delight to get into the Word of God and study it and apply it to every aspect of your life. I want to remind you, God's blessing leads to true life. Don't you really want to live? Don't you really want to live? One day you're going to die. I, I promise you, you're going to die. The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. I promise you, at some point, if Jesus tarries, everybody within the sound of my voice will die. You will cease to exist. But you can live. As long as you walk on this planet, you can really live if you choose to operate in the way that God is revealing to us right here in Psalm chapter 1. So there are certain things we must avoid. There are certain things we must do, like read and study the Word of God. And number three, I want, you to show, I want to show you how he prospers. What he avoids what he does, and how he prospers. This is a promise from God. And please know this, that all of God's promises will be fulfilled. They will never fail. In Psalm chapter 1, verse 3, the Bible says, He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and his leaf does not wither, and in whatever he does, he prospers. Now, I want us to look at that word prosper for just a moment. It means to accomplish 
what is intended. It means to succeed. The man whom God blesses prospers because he puts God first in his life. And he seeks to live within the framework of God's will and God's word and God's way. The writer of Psalms uses this metaphor of a a tree to make his point about how a man of God who is blessed by God really lives and really prospers. Let's just take that metaphor and examine it for just a moment, see what it teaches us. A healthy tree represents stability. A believer who has deep spiritual roots is stable and secure in God and in his word. He's not tossed here and there by every wind of doctrine that comes up and blows across the religious landscape. He is not fooled by by those who teach false doctrine or, or by godless ideology. He knows what he believes and he is convinced that God has revealed everything he needs to know about life and about how to succeed in life. A healthy tree not only represents stability, it also uh, represents the time it takes to develop. Listen, an oak tree, a giant oak tree. You, you don't plant an acorn today and a week from now go out and expect to find a giant oak tree. It takes many, many years for a giant oak tree to send their roots downward and to send the trunk upward. It takes time. And listen, it takes time for a man of God who really wants to be blessed by God, who really wants to live, it takes that man many, many months and years to fully develop and mature. It doesn't happen overnight. We're used to microwaving everything, but you can't microwave spiritual growth and maturity. It takes time and you have to be consistent and persistent in the study of God's word if you want to grow spiritually and develop. And another thing we learn from this metaphor of a tree, a healthy tree requires nourishment. It is firmly planted by streams of water, the Bible says. That word for planted actually means transplanted, transplanted. It refers to taking a tree out of one environment that is not conducive to growth, it's not conducive to productivity, and you take it out of that environment and you put it in an environment that is more conducive to growth and to development and to production. If you're a born-again believer, do you realize that you've been transplanted? You have. The Bible says in Colossians 1, verses 13 and 14, for he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Listen, if you're a born again believer, if you're a man in this room and you are truly saved and you are truly seeking to live life the way God wants you to live life and you are operating under the hand of his favor, then you need to know that everything you need for spiritual life and spiritual vitality and spiritual fruitfulness has been provided to you by the gracious hand of our Lord. He's given you his word. He's given you his spirit. He has given you his church 
to nourish you and to develop you and to provide for you. But you must make the choice, men. You must make the choice to study the Bible. You must make the choice to memorize scripture. You must make the choice to come to church and sit under the ministry and the teaching of the word of God. You must make the choice to be a part of a Bible fellowship class where a teacher takes the Bible and you and teaches it and you discuss it as a class. A healthy tree also produces fruit. The word yields here in verse three is an important word. It's a verb and it stresses continual action. Listen, in John 15, five, Jesus said, I'm the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit for apart from me, you can do nothing. But notice what Jesus said. He bears much fruit. In Ephesians 2.10, the Bible says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we would walk in them. Now listen, listen to me, men, listen to me very carefully. And ladies and boys and girls, because it applies to everybody. You must prepare to bear fruit. Notice what the Bible says here, in its season. You, you see, I fully believe that God is going to provide an opportune moment in your life as a man, as a woman, as a boy or girl who is a true believer. He's going to give you an opportune moment when he's going to use you in a specific way for his glory. And he's going to operate within your spiritual giftedness so that you can bear much fruit for his glory. You can do good works that will glorify him and expand the kingdom of God. And you've got to be ready. You've got to be ready when that door opens. Listen. The time to read your Bible is not when God's opening the door. The time to read the Bible is way before God opens the door. So you're prepared for that moment and you can seize that opportunity and do exactly what God wants to do in you and through you. So a healthy tree, look, we're looking at this metaphor and we're learning about what this healthy tree symbolizes for us as Christian men. A healthy tree represents stability. It represents the fact that it takes time to develop. It requires nourishment. It produces fruit. And here's another one I want you to see. A healthy tree has the capacity to endure. It, notice what the Bible says. It's very interesting. Its leaf does not wither. It doesn't die. In Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 7 and 8, the Bible said, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose trust is the Lord. Men, let me ask you a question. Are you trusting in God today? Are you trusting him? Are you walking by faith? Or are you aligning your life with him and his word? Verse 8, for he will be like a tree planted by the water that extends its roots by a stream and will not fear. Now look at this. And will not fear when the heat comes. But its leaves will be green. It will not be anxious in a year of drought nor cease to yield fruit. Whether, whether it's, it's hot as blue blazes, whether it's a drought, whatever it is, this tree, this tree 
represents the fact that a born-again believer, a man who really is living the way God wants him to live and experiencing the blessings of God in his life, he, his leaf will never wither. But you say, Pastor, I'm going through a difficult time right now. That's exactly what this means right here. This speaks of endurance. His le its leaf does not wither. That's endurance. Listen, I don't know of a single believer on the face of this planet who does not go through storms in their lives. And if you're not going through a storm right now, hang on. Because chances are you will at some point in the future. Now you say, well, why would God, who wants to bless us and put his hand of favor on our lives, why would God allow us to go through a storm, through difficult times? Well, I think there's several reasons. Let me give you a couple. Number one, God wants to develop you. You, you see, when you go through a storm, you learn to trust God, not yourself. When you go through a storm, God receives incredible glory as a waiting, watching world looks at you and sees how you handle a storm by the power of God in your life. And God is glorified. But you can rest assured of this. The Bible says you will prosper. You'll prosper in Psalm 92, 12 to 14, the psalmist wrote, the, the righteous man will flourish like the palm tree. He will grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. I love verse 14. I, I love it because of the place I am in my life right now. Listen, they will still yield fruit in old age. I like that. I'm 68 years old. You know the idea that as a believer we reach a point in age when we sort of sit back and take it easy and, and we, we, sort of, uh, we, we sort of retire and just sort of coast out of life. That, there's nothing about that in the Bible. The Bible says they will still yield fruit in old age. They shall be full of sap and very green. I like that. I like that. Now this Psalm presents basically, Psalm 1 presents basically two ways of life. There's a path of righteousness and there's a path of wickedness. Jesus identified these same two paths when he talked about the narrow gate and what? and the broad gate, the narrow road, the broad road, the broad road that leads to destruction, the narrow road that leads to life. Jesus talked about these same dynamics in the Sermon on the Mount. Now, now look at verse four, Psalm chapter one, verse four, the wicked are not so. Now in the Hebrew, that is a strong, strong negative. But they are like chaff, which the wind drives away. You, you see, the wicked are excluded from the life of God. And their lives are characterized by instability and an insatiable desire to find happiness and pleasure wherever they can find it. 
Remember the whole idea of wicked here in the Hebrew is looseness. It's looseness, looseness. So they're, they're always looking for something to bring pleasure into their lives. They're always looking for something to bring fulfillment and satisfaction into their lives. And they just go from here to there. They try this and they try that. And, and guess what? The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 57, verses 20 and 21, but the wicked are like the tossing sea, for it cannot be quiet. And its waters toss up refuse and mud. Verse 21, listen to what God says. There is no peace, says my God, for the wicked. None. No peace. I, I tell you, friend, if you reject God, if you reject God's word or neglect God or neglect God's word, there will be no peace for you. Now, that's not a pastor saying that. That's God saying that. The, the word chaff here, look, verse 4, the wicked are not so, but they are like chaff which the wind drives away. The psalmist used the, the harvest of grain to picture the results for those who have chosen the path of, of wickedness. Grain was crushed. And it was pitched high into the air and the wind would take the chaff and blow it away. And the grain, which is heavier, will fall back to the threshing floor where they would collect the grain. You see, chaff is worthless. It pictures the futile, empty, worthless life of the godless who live according to their passions and desires. This is God's evaluation of those who reject him and reject his word. Look at Psalm 1 verse 5. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. The wicked will face God's judgment. That's clear. Listen, that's found throughout the Bible from Genesis all the way to Revelation 22. In Hebrew chapter 9 verse 27, the Bible says, "...in inasmuch as it is appointed for men to die once..." After this comes judgment. Listen, if you're in, in this room or, or if you're listening to live stream, I, I want you to know that if you've rejected God, if you re, have rejected his word, one day you're going to stand before God. You may say, well, I don't believe in him. I don't care if you believe in him or not. You're going to stand before him one day and you're going to give an account to the living creator God. And I would beg you today, Listen to the Holy Spirit. Listen to him. He's calling you to believe in Jesus. He's calling you to believe in the word of God. And make the word of God the delight of your life. Oh, how I pray that at the end of this service, you will do just that. Look at verse 6. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Now this, verb, this verse sums up all that has been said already in this chapter quite nicely. In fact, it also highlights one of the main themes of the Bible. You see, the day is coming, friend, when one day God is going to separate the righteous from the wicked. And the righteous will go to heaven. 
and the wicked will be turned into hell and be separated from God for all of eternity. But the basis for God's judgment, I want you to see it right here in verse 6. The basis for God's judgment is his knowledge. His knowledge. The Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. In Matthew 7, 21 to 23, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, do we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, said Jesus, I never, what? I never knew you. I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Understand this. God will never, ever be unjust. God will never make a mistake in his judgment. Not one single soul will perish in hell that didn't deserve it. And not one single person will enjoy the joys and pleasures of heaven who didn't repent of their sin and place their faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior. Joseph Flax had an opportunity to address a, a gathering of Jews and Arabs in the Holy Land several years ago. He, you know what his text was? It was Psalm 1. So he read the entire psalm, and he asked this question. Remember, Jews and Arabs are out here in the audience. Who is this blessed man of whom the psalmist speaks? This man never walked in the counsel of the wicked or stood in the way of sinners or sat in the seat of mockers. Not one single time. He was absolutely sinless. So he said, who is this man? Nobody said a word. Finally, Flax said this, is it our father Abraham? And one of the Jews said, no, it's not our father Abraham because he lied about his wife. And then Flax said, is it, is it Moses, the lawgiver? And another said, no, it's not Moses. Moses killed an Egyptian, and Moses got angry at Meribah and was not allowed to go into the promised land. It's not Moses. And then Flax said, is it David, the great king of Israel? Another one said, no, it's not David. He committed adultery with Bathsheba and had her husband murdered. Then Flax said, well, who is this man that is represented here in Psalm chapter 1, verse 1? And finally, an elderly Jew got up on his feet and he said this. He said, my brothers, I have a little book here. It's called the New Testament. I've been reading it. And if I could believe this book, 
If I could be sure that it is true, I would say that the man of the first psalm was Jesus of Nazareth. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus is that man. He's the only perfect man who ever lived. He is the sinner's only savior. And it is he who stands at the threshold of this wonderful book of Psalms to show us how to really live. Are you on the path of wickedness this morning? Have you rejected God and his word? I've got good news for you. Jesus can save you. He can change you. He can transplant you to an environment where you will really, really be successful and really be fruitful. He can do that. My question to you is, are you willing to repent of your sin and to receive Jesus as your Savior and Lord by faith? I hope and pray that you're ready to do that this morning. I'm going to ask our worship team to come, our staff to come, and we're going to have a time of worship here in just a moment. And I want to invite you. Listen, if you're in this room today, you say, Pastor, I'm on the wrong path. I'm on the path of wickedness. I'm asking you to repent of your sin and place your faith in Jesus. Serve him with all your heart. Or you may be here today, you say, Pastor, I'm on the path of righteousness. But Pastor, I've been sucked in by the undertow of this stuff that the psalmist mentioned in Psalm chapter 1, verse 1. Uh, Walking in the counsel of the wicked, standing in the path of sinners, sitting in the seat of scoffers. Pastor, I'm not what I should be. And I'm going to ask you, dear friend, to come to this altar and ask God to forgive you. Listen, you haven't lost your salvation. You're still saved. You're still on the road to heaven. But you're missing out on the best that life has to offer if you choose to live in in, in a way that does not reflect the truth of God's word for your life. God wants to put his hand of favor on your life. He wants to open the windows of heaven and pour out rich blessings upon you. But you have to be blessable. Are you blessable this morning? God's shown us what you must avoid. He's shown us what you must do. He's shown us how you can prosper. I encourage you today, pursue God with all your heart. Be a man of God. I'll tell you, make a difference in your wife's life. It'll make a difference in your kid's life. It'll make a difference in your grandchildren's lives. Father, in the name of Jesus, help us. Oh God, I pray you would take your word and you would use it in a powerful way in the hearts of those who need to be saved and in the hearts of believers who have been affected by the undertow of the sinful world that we live in. Oh God, do a miracle in our lives today. I pray for breakthroughs to occur in men's hearts and lives, in the lives of women and children, boys and girls. 
Oh God, have your way in Jesus' name.